The Hebrew writer told us that, uh, that we should never stop meeting together uh, so that we can encourage each other the more we see the day approaching. And, you know, as I, as I was thinking this morning as we were worshiping together, um, as Keith asked us to, to share something good that's happened, uh, there was a line in one of the songs that we sang. It said, um, uh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And you know, the, one of the reasons we gather together is to remind each other of how good God is. Some days, when we, some Sundays when we come, we're full of joy and full of Jesus because of what He's done during the week, and 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 worship just comes naturally from us. You know, some Sunday mornings when we come here, uh, we've had a tough week and. And we wonder about God. And it's in those weeks where we need other people. We need people around us who are full of Jesus to encourage us and to remind us that God is good. And when we sing, I believe it does what that line in that song, Jesus, I sing of all that you've done for me. Worship reminds us of God's goodness. And we really need each other on this journey that we are on. And you know, we, we serve a resurrected Jesus, and that's what, that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, back in April, we began this series in the book of Mark entitled, Encounters with Jesus. And each week, we've taken little portions of of one chapter of Mark, and, and, and we've looked at it, and we've looked at encounters that people had with Jesus. And we've journeyed with that, and you know, Mark is a, is a fast-paced book, and he opens up the book in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, by saying, in the beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so he immediately wants us to understand who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. That is who I'm writing about, the Son of God. And then over the next eight chapters, Mark makes a case for who Jesus is. Recording many of the miracles that Jesus did during his ministry, if you remember. And, and then in, in Mark chapter 8, right at the end of the chapter, there's this pivotal moment when, when Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Caesarea Philippi. And, and Jesus looks at his disciples and says, look, who do people say that I am? And, and they gave him all kinds of answers, some Elijah, uh, some John the Baptist, some, you know, all these different answers. But then he said, but who do you who do you say that I am? And that is when we get the great confession from Peter. And he says, Peter says, you are the Christ. Uh, if you remember, as we studied, uh, you know, the, the disciples' idea of who the Messiah was, was much different than, than, than what, what Jesus, what, what he came to do. And so from chapters 9 through 11, Jesus explains to them over and over again. He talks about his death and his resurrection, that he was going to die and he was going to be resurrected. 
Now, the disciples didn't really like what the, the message that Jesus was giving them in, in, in chapters 9 through 11. And at one point, if you remember, Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him and says, look, Jesus, this isn't the way it's going to happen. This isn't the way the Messiah is going to, 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 to be. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. And then in, verse, in chapters 11 through 16, Mark records how Jesus would become the Messiah as he entered Jerusalem on, um, on Palm Sunday and, and his week in Jerusalem as he was preparing for his death. And in Mark chapter 15, we, we see the disciples experience the most painful 24 hours of their lives as they watch their friend, their teacher, the one who they believed was the Messiah, suffer and, and be, be mocked and beaten and ultimately hung on a cross. And as he's hung on a cross, they lose all hope. And, and, and what they didn't realize in that 24 hours that, that out of this incredibly bad experience, would come the greatest good that mankind would ever experience. You see, because God was doing something unimaginably great and powerful. But for the apostles, this was, all they could think of was this overwhelming grief. Because for them, the cross was the end. For them, when they saw their Jesus hanging on the cross, there was no hope of resurrection. For them, this was a terrible Friday. But that was only Mark chapter 15. You see, there's another day and there is another chapter to be written. And, and in Mark chapter 16, we see the end of the story and we see terrible Friday transformed into good Friday. And we read that in the first, uh, first eight verses of Mark chapter 16. As the disciples had lost all hope of, of, of ever seeing Jesus again, and, and they lost hope of the Messiah and, and the, hope, the dreams that they had for him. They had gathered together and, and, and were wallowing in their sorrow. And on Sunday morning, it says that, that a couple of the ladies got up. It says in verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, it says that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices to go so that they might anoint Jesus because they thought he was dead. They didn't think he was coming out of the tomb. And it says, very early on the first morning of the week, just before sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? They had, sinned, they had been at the tomb. They knew how big this stone was and, and that there was almost no hope of them doing this, but, but they went anyways. This is, but when they looked up, when they got to the tomb, it says that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, 
They saw a young man dressed in, white, in a white robe, an angel, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They were scared to death because this tomb where they thought Jesus was going to be was empty, and all that was in it was an angel. It says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, and it says, he has risen. He's alive. Something they never expected to hear, they never expected to experience when they got to the tomb. They were going to anoint a dead body, and he was gone, and the angel says, he's risen. He is not here. He says, see the place where they laid him? He says, go and tell the disciples and Peter He's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And it says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb. And it said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. What an incredible story. What an incredible experience, and yet, in spite of the the message from the angel, it says they were terrified and they were scared. They didn't know what to do with the resurrected Jesus. And as we look at this resurrection, ultimately, you know, the hope that they had was restored and the dreams that they had were restored because they saw and met the resurrected Jesus. What does the resurrection mean to us? What has Christ's resurrection accomplished for us in 2019? For you as an individual, what has the resurrection accomplished? I think as you look at it, the first thing that I see the resurrection accomplished was that the resurrection ultimately defeated death. It overcame death. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus was delivered up for our transgressions and he was raised for our justification. In other words, we were dead in sin. But because Jesus hung on the cross, our sins were forgiven, and because he was raised, we were justified. We were made clean. We were brought from death to life. We were made right with God. The resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17 that if Christ had not been raised, our faith would be futile 
and we would still be in our sin. In other words, we would have no hope. And us being here this morning, Paul says, would be useless. But because of the resurrection, it's not. Because of the resurrection, death has been conquered. Because without the, de- without the resurrection, you see, nothing's been conquered. Not sin, not death, not the devil. But Jesus' resurrection from the dead testifies not only that Jesus is the Son of God, but that his offering of his life was acceptable, was an acceptable sacrifice to God. Romans 1.4 says that it was shown, he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's who Mark wrote about, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, by his resurrection, his sacrifice was proven to be worthy. The debt was paid, death was defeated, and sin was atoned for. The resurrection means that Jesus is enough. He is enough. The resurrection says Christ won Sin, death, and the devil lost. And these two events, the cross and the resurrection, are dependent on each other. Because, see, if we would have just experienced the cross, if Jesus would have just died on the cross, been buried in a tomb, and never rose again, he would have just been another good teacher. Because he was resurrected, he was, he proved to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And so what does the resurrection accomplish for us today? It overcomes death. It means that we will never have to die. Now these bodies will eventually die, but we will never die. We will go to be in his presence forever the day that this earthly body breaks down. But the resurrection also, see, it's not just about a future thing. The resurrection empowers us to live new lives today. You see, the day that I receive Christ, I begin my relationship with him. And remember our gospel acronym, I will live with him forever. And life with him begins now. And so the resurrection means that I have not just hope for the future, but hope for my present reality that I find myself in. You know, dozens of times in the New Testament, we see this phrase, in Christ, in Christ. And this, 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 this little phrase, in Christ, means that we have accepted his sacrifice and his payment for our sins, and now we've been cleansed and we live in him. He lives in us. He empowers us. 
Remember, we can't pay for our sin on our own. Jesus had to do it. Romans 3.10 says that there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and become worthless. So we're all sinful. We all needed the cross and the resurrection. God says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. But the day I received Christ, I exchanged my old nature for a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. It says the old is gone. And there is a new you. Now, the day we receive Christ, we are justified. We are made new. Our sins are taken away. But, but there's this journey of sanctification then that, that we find ourselves as we become more like Christ. You see, we should never forget that we are united with Christ. And he empowers us. Ephesians 2, 4, 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. I think some of us, at times, all of us, struggle with, with feelings of guilt. We, we, we struggle with the reality of, of, of God's forgiveness for us. And we, we, we don't really believe that, that God can sanctify us, that, that we can become more and more like Jesus. We forget that the old self has died and we've put on, on a new garment But when I am in Christ, I can take all of my sin, past, present, and future, I can take it all to him. I don't have to carry my past with me. And one of my concerns is that too many of us choose to continue, although we are in Christ and we have the power of Christ in us to defeat the old nature, we continue to walk in defeat, to walk in guilt and shame because we don't embrace the power of the resurrection. I don't have to carry my past with me. I can be healed from my past. That's the beauty of the power of the resurrection today. That I don't have to carry my past with me. The things that I have done in the past and the things that have been done to me in the past can be healed. But too many of us choose to walk in defeat and continue to hide things in the deep, dark places of our heart because they're really painful to talk about. 
But I'm here to tell you that the resurrection gives me hope that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, can heal my broken heart, can heal and bring light to the dark places of my heart. He can heal your broken relationships. He can heal your struggling, broken marriage. He empowers us to forgive people who we thought we could never forgive. You see, when we take the resurrected Jesus to the painful places of our hearts, he will heal those broken, dark places and he will restore us and make us new. And I believe we have people that, that live their whole lives with guilt because of abuse. Some of you sit here this morning and, and, and you as a child were taken advantage of. And you still carry that guilt and that shame. And there's this dark place in your heart that you just don't want to go to. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you take the resurrected Jesus there, he will take the shame and the guilt and the anger. He can take that away. Some of you have been abused by a family member. And you've carried that your whole lives. I'm here to tell you, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is here to take that away, to heal that broken heart. Some of you were abandoned by a parent. And you still feel that today. You don't have to. You don't have to feel that anymore. You can be healed from that. And I'm here to tell you that, that when you go to those dark places of your heart and you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you run to Jesus, I'm here to tell you he can heal it, he does heal it, and it is an incredible freedom that we experience. You don't have to walk in guilt and shame and judgment and abandonment your whole lives. The resurrected Jesus came to heal that. You know, and, 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 and we're all on this journey. I just As I was thinking about this, something that God brought to my mind is is, you know, growing up, um, my parents loved me. But my dad didn't have a lot of time for us. Uh, he, he, he did the best he could. He didn't know how to express his love for us. And, and, and we knew that he loved us, but, but, but never heard that. Never felt that expressed. And, and, and I remember when my dad was dying, Probably in the last four or five days, there were times when, when this is what I would feel. 
When Satan would bring these things to my mind, he'd say, Dwayne, why do you spend time here? Your dad didn't have time for you when you were 12 years old. And so I had to take Jesus to some of those dark places in my heart. And I had to say, Jesus, can you heal this spot? Jesus, where were you when my dad wasn't there? And I let Jesus begin to heal those places in my heart. And when we do that, we can love better, we can forgive better, we can care better, we become better moms and dads and grandparents and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives. And so the power of the resurrection is here to heal you, to give you power over the darkness that Satan brings to us. You know, John 10, 10 says, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Satan comes to steal your joy by bringing back all those dark places in your heart. Jesus says, I have come to heal them and to give you life, and not just to give you life, but to make life abundant, joyful, fulfilling. I have come to heal you. I've come to heal you. So don't let your past steal your future. Allow Jesus to heal them. You know, Steve and Becky, as, as pastor of care, Steve and, and Becky do, a, do an incredible job of helping to care for people's hearts and helping people walk through these things. Because oftentimes we need somebody to help us not always, but there are times when we need people to help us walk through those and help us identify those dark places in our hearts that need healing. And I want to encourage you, man, don't, don't walk in this, don't walk in this darkness, don't walk in defeat. Walk in the power of the resurrection. Because through Christ we have victory. So he brings us the resurrection, brought victory over death. The resurrection gives us, gives us life in Christ right now, relationship with him right now. And, and then the resurrection does this incredible thing. It guarantees our future glorious resurrection. The thing that we're looking forward to one day all this will go away. Our broken bodies, our broken relationships, all the stuff of this world will be taken away. We will be made new. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says, Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will also 
be raised when he comes back. And what Paul is saying is, look, as you saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, as you read about him and saw the way that, that he moved on the earth and, and the way that his body was gloriously resurrected, because he was resurrected, all you who believe one day will experience the same resurrection. It's glorious. It'll be the most incredible thing we ever experience. The resurrection confirms that, the resurrection of Christ confirms that we too have new bodies coming. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know how, how when, when Christ returns, how, how he will put us back together, but in some way he will, and in some form, I think we will look like we do today. In a glorified state. I often wonder, so am I going to have gray hair or am I going to have brown hair when I'm resurrected? Am I going to have hair or no hair? Some of you ask that question. But 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord himself will come, from, come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. And after that, all we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Imagine that picture of when that day happens. If we're here when he comes back, we go back and we meet those that have gone before us. If we go before everybody else, we, but there will be this incredible reunion that happens around Jesus one day because of the resurrection. Philippians, Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for him to return as our Savior. See, this is not our home. This is a place that we are just passing through. We are aliens and strangers. In other words, we don't belong here. There's a better place waiting. Are you looking forward to your forever home in heaven. And it is Christ and Christ alone that gives us this steadfast hope the fact that he conquered death that he rose again in victory and that he holds in his hands the power to make all things new is because he is risen. And I pray for us today That, that he fills us, everyone here at Fairlawn, all believers, with, with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
and that he enables us to live in victory as we await our Savior from heaven or we will spend eternity with him. So what did the resurrection accomplish? Resurrection defeated death. The resurrection empowers us to live new lives, to live in victory, to live in the abundance of what Jesus desires for us to live in and not in the defeat of Satan. And the resurrection guarantees that one day we will experience this glorious home in heaven that we will be with him forever and ever and each other forever and ever. And so we have cause to celebrate, to celebrate Jesus and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we, uh, I just, this morning, Lord, I, um, I pray that you would, you, that you are beginning a work right now. There are those here this morning that, that, that feel defeated. That feel guilt, shame, discouragement. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give them the courage to invite you into their journey of healing. Lord, that you would show them the dark places of their heart and, and the ways that you can heal them. And Lord, that your promise to that you came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free will become a reality. May you do a work here today among us. We thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ's death on the cross and the power of the resurrection to validate the cross and to give us new life and to give us hope for all of eternity. And Father, may we glorify you in that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.